becoming your ideal self, living as the best version of yourself is not a matter of learning something or achieving something. I think it's a matter of realizing that you already are that person. For most of my life, I've done things, said things, behaved in a certain way because I believe that that's where my value was derived from. My value, in, my value is in what I do. My value is in what I say. But that's misguided because we live in the world that we live in, the social economical world that we live in teaches us that or conditions us to believe that we need to produce something in order to receive the value in order for us to gain the value right supply and demand this isn't the case though it's misguided I believe that the value is inherent When you remember that we are all just parts of a whole, and when we remember that our natural state of being is gratitude for the whole and every part of it, and understanding that there's no division between the parts, then it's much easier to value yourself and the role you play in whatever space you find yourself in. I'm a part of this. Even if at sometimes I play the role of protagonist, I understand that I am a cooperative component for this particular process or that particular experience. I am a part of this whole. And because I am a part of the whole, there's no hole in me because I'm serving a function. I don't have to change myself, alter myself, minimize myself, or maximize myself to serve my purpose, to become who I think I need to become. Because I don't need to become anything. I don't need to do anything. There's no need. It's more a matter of realizing this truth, realizing who you are, The only true tension is the tension that exists internally in your being. Confidence isn't this thing, for example, that comes with being physically attractive. You can be ugly and be, I'm sorry, I hate to use the word ugly because it's just not real, it's a social construct. But you could be, let's just use it for the, the sake of this conversation. You can be ugly and still have confidence. Confidence is just a lack of tension. Confidence means that you are receptive of yourself as you are. Whether it's one aspect of yourself or all aspects of yourself, you are receiving yourself. 
and not rejecting yourself. It's the same with peace and life in general. You are receptive to life as it is instead of rejecting it. That's the key to eliminating or at least vastly, drastically reducing suffering in your life. So again, becoming your ideal self is not becoming at all. It's realizing. It's realizing that you are already that person and that you could leverage what is toward actualizing what you desire, what will be. We get wrapped up in our concept of time, forgetting that a clock is just a social construct. The same way that Eastern Standard Time is just a social construct. It's just this thing that we all agree on as a society, whether that's a local society, a global society, or whatever. So I say that to say that we must remember that time is just a construct so that we can say that what will be and what is are the same thing. Look at it as if it were this infinite painting, right? Everything you ever experience on one big painting spanning the wall of China. I seem to like that analogy a lot. Everything you ever experience from birth to death is this one great big painting. And what is is somewhere along the center of the painting. And what will be is a little further to the right. Those two things exist on the same painting. Reduce that sentence. Those two things are the same period. What will be is simply an extension of what is. And if what will be is an extension of what is, then what will be is what it is. And what it is, is what it will be. That's huge. It's huge to understand that who you will become this person you desire to become is an extension of you and by definition it is you it roots from you so if a tree for example specifically its leaves sprout from from the stem or the bark or the trunk and the trunk stems from the roots then I would say that the roots are the leaves. It's, it's as if you were, try to look at it as if you were an alien and you didn't go to kindergarten and first grade and second grade and learn that this part of the tree is a leaf and that part of the tree is the roots. If you didn't learn all these things, if you weren't conditioned to compartmentalize parts of that tree that way, then you would say, hey, this is this one thing. Because if you, let's say you have the strength to pull the tree up right out of the ground and saw it like you were able to hold it in its entirety, you wouldn't say, okay, this is the leaf because it's a different color. No, that's just a way of sorting things that you were taught. It's all one thing. 
So the person you're going to become and the person you are are just one thing. We, we slice those things up into parts because that's how we're taught to view things. Whether you're dividing things into a million days or a couple hundred months or one century, it's, we're all talking about the same thing. And the things that we're using to slice those things are imaginary. And because we're using imaginary scalpels or knives to divide these things, then we're not really dividing these things at all. Language is good because it allows us to communicate and understand what we're talking about when we talk to each other. So we can have a common understanding about concepts, but we mustn't we mustn't mistake those concepts. Clearly, I don't say the word mustn't often. <laughs> we can't mistake those concepts for real things. They're only as real as we make them in our minds. And of course, we live in a subjective world, so what's in your mind may as well be real, but try to hear what I'm saying. We're, sp we're speaking about concepts. We're speaking about symbols. We can't mistake the symbols for what they represent because life is so subjective. Maybe the way you understand the word long is different from the way I understand the word long. For example, I say, wow, we haven't, we haven't talked in a long time. And you might disagree because it hasn't felt like a long time to you because you're used to going stretches of time without speaking to people or maybe you've been busy so time has passed you by very quickly so for you it hasn't been a long time or maybe we both experienced that time exactly the same way but in your mind that isn't a long time because a long time is more like seven years because you're older than I am and you have more wait I'm sorry I forgot whose perspective is which but you get what I'm saying a long time to a seven-year-old might be different from a long time to a 60-year-old who has more reference and perspective. So because life is so uh, subjective and everything is so relative, I think it's important to respect language, respect mathematics, respect these constructs for what they are. Helpful tools, but you can't use a hammer to screw something into a wall. understand where a tool's usefulness and capacity for, for resourcefulness stops. Understand when to use a tool and what to use it for. Maybe we need to put that tool of, of, of timekeeping down when we're talking about who we will become. Understand that we already are that person. You could put a tuxedo on or own many tuxedos and, and work a certain occupation, but you're still the same person you were when you were a kid, for example. Or maybe you were homeless before you found that occupation and turned your life around, but you're still that same person. Maybe you have more money now but you're still that same person. 
You are not the money that is in your bank account. You are not the clothes that you wear. You are not the, the spouse that you're married to. You are not the country that you were born in. Just like you're not the fingernail on your pinky. Because you could lose that, but you're still you. I think that then begs the question, who are you? I think that just like your hair and your nails and your eyelashes and your nose, just like all these things are aspects of you on the surface level, I think your experiences aren't very different. Your memories, your upbringing, I think those things are surface level because you could get amnesia and still be you. You are still you. I'm not convinced that you are your personality because that's something you learned. Granted, there are influences from your genetics that affect your behaviors. But I think you are more than your personality, just like you are more than your possessions. But I think that's, that's kind of cool because it means that your personality can change and you're still you. And if your personality can change and your, your concept of identity... Wow. Almost got ran off the road by a state trooper. That was fun. Anyway, if your personality can change and you could still be you, then suddenly you gain this license, this authority, this freedom to lose parts of your personality that aren't serving you and strengthen and gain new parts of your personality that you do feel proud of. Parts of you that do empower you and liberate you from things that would otherwise oppress you. And if becoming your best self is simply a matter of changing the way you behave, the way you speak, the way you think about things, the way you're perceived by others, then you already are that person. You're just using different tools. You're just believing different things. And again, as we say, a belief is just a thought you think over and over and over again. Credit to Abraham Hicks. Belief is just something you think over and over again until you cannot distinguish it from reality. And what do you know about reality? Reality is only something that you look at through your lens of subjectivity. Your lens of subjectivity being everything that has influenced the way you think and behave and, and so on and so forth since you were born. We went down a hole, so let's dig back out of it. Everything you experience is through a lens of subjectivity. And the things that you think, which are, from your perspective, affirmed and supported by what you experience, then a, be a belief is something you can change as well. Thing is, Seeing is believing for a lot of us, for most of us, almost all of us. Seeing is believing because that's how we learn. That's how we learn to hunt. That's how we learn to evade predators. That's how we learn to, you know, make friends. Seeing is believing. We look at the outside world as kind of like a rubric or a reference point or a series of reference points so we know how to behave for survival, for more than survival, for success or at least failure avoidance. We look at the outside world to tell us how to feel about ourselves, how to feel about others, how to feel about failure, how to feel about love. 
You see, there are relationships that we have with other people, like the relationship I have with the person who's currently tailgating me. <laughs> the relationships that we have with ourselves, right? How do you feel about yourself? But then there are the relationships that we have with concepts. Now he's honking at me. So what relationship do I have with road rage, right? See, two different people can experience the same thing and react completely differently, become completely different people because of it. For example, maybe you respond to road rage with aggression. Maybe you will pump your brakes and allow the person to crash into you. Or maybe you just let it roll off of your back. But that's not really, it's not really you responding to the road rage. That's you responding to your understanding of what road rage is. It's you developing meaning around an experience or a person or a thing or whatever. It's all the input, which is the information. For example, the honking from a, a car behind you. And then it's the processing, right? The meaning you attach to that. And then it's your new understandings or beliefs or concepts of the world and the things that happen within it as a result of the processing of the input that you were fed. I hope that at least makes a little bit of sense. I am kind of multitasking, weaving through traffic and trying not to get into a severe accident because someone is a little less patient than I think they should be. But again, it's all subjective. So who do you want to be? And will you let your stimuli... I'm giving him a thumbs up now because I've just about had it with her risking my life. She flipped me off. I think it's good that she has found her outlet <laughs> to channel her aggressions. But again, how will you respond to what's happening around you? And will you respond to what's happening around you with the person that you want to be in mind? And will you remember and forget and then remember, hopefully, that becoming the person that you want to be is not about becoming, it's about realizing. It's about realizing you already are that person. Because behaviors can change and beliefs can change and your, your, your bank account and its contents can change, right? Maybe even your faith can change. Your sex can change. And I don't mean to be disrespectful when I laugh, but it's like we're so tied to our identity. Our, sorry, we're, we're so attached to the identities that we claim as if the things that our identity is composed of can't change, thus causing those identities to change completely. Something to think about. I'm still trying to figure this out myself, but I'm glad that I at least documented this and I'm glad that you listened this far along. So thank you. I hope that some of this resonates with you, inspires some thought in you, and as always, feel free to reach out if you want me to expand on anything, if you want to challenge anything, or yeah, maybe you just want to tell me how much you love my voice. Either way, thank you. Hope you're doing well, whoever you are. And yeah, we'll check back in soon. Thank you.